0: Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profiles and Projections, Episode 1. Training camp has started, and what we are doing, for the next six weeks, we'll have an episode every single weekday. We'll have two regular episodes, and three times a week, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we will have two players we'll be uh, profiling and previewing, PPPs, offensive and defensive, and today... Like we have started the last two years, the the longest tenured giant, Sterling Shepard. Now Justin, I'm not going to do hey how are yous on this one, but it's the first player profile and projection. Hey how are you?
1: Hey Bobby Skinner, um, thank you for throwing it to me because this really is my favorite time of the year where it's the ramp up period where we are going to be either in your ears or in front of your face five days a week. We have you know we're giving Certified you that opportunity freak. where if you if you certify freak seven days a week, uh, wet ass p word. Ben Shapiro. Yeah, um, a lot of fun. Uh, ramp-up period. Giants football's back. So, you know, uh, you think the draft is the most fun part of the year, and I and I respect that. It really is a lot of fun. But the thing that I, you know, thing that makes training camp the most fun part of the year for me is that it is the ramp-up. And by the end of training camp, we're going to have football. At the, end of draft, at the end of the draft, you still have months to go before football. So here we are, PPPs five times a week. We're going to be in your ear three times a week talking about every single significant player on the Giants. Um Start talking to me about Sterling Shepard. Let's do it. I love him. Sterling Shepard kicks it off.
0: Sterling Shepard. He's five foot 10, 201 pounds, 28 years old. And like I said, he is on his sixth year with the New York Giants, the longest tenured New York giant. He was it last year and he's back again. In 2020, he played 12 games had 66 catches, 656 yards, three touchdowns on a 73% catch rate, 9.9 yards per catch. Averaged 55 yards per game, the most yards per game of any player, including rushing, if you want to combine rushing and receiving, like if the you know the Wayne Gallmans of the year. Nobody averaged more por- per game than Sterling Shepard. He is in a very weird position with the New York Giants, where he is the best returning wide receiver. But guess what? They signed Kenny Galladay. Supposedly, he's moving back to the slot where we think he is, where he, he will be. Darius Slayton plays the outside. But he's in a weird spot where he's the best returning receiver but he's moving to a different position and they drafted someone at that same position in the first round with Kadarius Tony. This is a, this is going to, this is a very weird year for Sterling Shepard for Daniel Jones, most trusted player.
1: Yeah. And the fun thing about Sterling Shepard is that he doesn't have to move positions necessarily. Now, Does Jason Garrett and the Giants and Joe Judge really want somebody alternating between outside and slot? And does that actually happen in the NFL? Do you want somebody to have one certified spot, certified free? How many times are we going to say that? Do we want somebody to have one certified spot and solidified spot? I don't know, but I mean, hey, in my you know uh, fan brain, why can't Sterling Shepard ha- have snaps on the outside with Kadarius Tony in the slot? And why can't Sterling Shepard be in the slot when you want to have Darius Slayton and Kenny Galladay as your two outside wide receivers? Why not? And you're in 11 personnel most of the time anyway. You know, maybe like some 60% of the snaps, maybe that goes down if you're, uh, you know, if you're winning some games and you're in some more running formations, but... You know, Bobby, I'm a big guy, you know, at some of the advanced stat, advanced stats, and and stuff like that. But I think there are sometimes wins and losses. Uh, at the end of the day, that's what it kind of comes down to. And in 2019, the Giants went four and six when Shep was on the field, zero oh and six when he's not on the field. And in 2020, the Giants went five and seven when Shep was on the field, one and four when not. Nine of the Giants' ten wins the past two years have come when Sterling Shepard was on the field. Now, you know. That's, that stack could be taken without context. Is Daniel Jones on the field for some of those wins and losses? I don't know. But hey, <laughs> there's a pretty strong correlation to Sterling Shepard being on the field. The Giants have a decent chance at winning. And really, when Sterling Shepard uh, was without OBJ and when uh, Eli left, when those two guys kind of left town, the way he was as a player and who he was as a player that really did change. He is a low average depth of target guy. He's a low yards per reception guy where he was one of the, you know, one of the only wide receivers to average under 10 yards per reception last year. You know, he's a high catch rate guy with Daniel Jones. His catch rate was 80%. I know it was 79.2. I'm rounding up to 80% because that's a fun, it's a fun whole number, 80% catch rate with Daniel Jones. He's reliable on third down. So, Stonick Shepherd is very, very important as a football player. And I'll let you talk about, you know, more of like, I guess, you know, some film stuff or some stats stuff wherever you want to go. But he's a very, very important player and very, very important to this team's success. Yeah.
0: Well, if it's .5 or above, you're supposed to round out, if it's point four or or yeah, You know below. what? Because we're a Giants fan L- podcast. Alert. I'm rounding up like I know eighty percent just sounds better than seventy nine percent. It does. It does. Um, um, I we'll talk about him in the slot. Um, because Seeing slot doesn't mean 100% of his snaps are in the slot. Even when he was in 2018, it was only at 60, you know, 65% of the time. But let's let's talk about him just as a player. He's the best route runner on the team. He's the most reliable. Like you said, the 80% catch rate. And you saw it in the Philly game. Like when he came back, it's like, okay, he's things are opening up a little bit different because teams are having to respect Sterling Shepard. And there's one route that really sticks out to me for Sterling Shepard, and that is the whip route. And that's essentially where you run a slant, you show slant, and then you whip back out. Now, you can keep it going. It's you know it's a lot like the stick concept where you can read what the defense is doing. But that route set up so many things for the Giants offense when he came back. It set up vertical plays. I mean, you know, that Evan Ingram drop against Philly, which ended the game. That route was set up by a Sterling Shepard whip route. You know, the Deion Lewis throw uh, on the sideline against Philly when we won. That was set up by the corner playing up on the Sterling Shepard whip route. It was a huge uh, converter on third downs. Like, um, Shep, uh, when he was uh, targeted on third down, 14 of 19. 13 of those were conversions, you know, 73%. Um, all others were at, at 66%. Two of his three touchdowns came with the whip route versus Baltimore and Dallas. Both of those touchdowns were on that whip route. Like, that kind of stuff, it sets up, it brings two guys in the zone. If to cover it, which. Allows open guys down the field, which we should see more with Kenny Galladay. Should see more with, with Darius Slayton not getting corner or wide receiver one treatment. And when they cover it with one, it's a chain mover on third down. It's with the way Sterling Shepard runs it, it's essentially uncoverable. Because you play outside leverage, he's gonna slant on you. You play inside leverage, he's gonna whip back out on you. So and Jones trusts Sterling Shepard to let him, you know, do that route the right way. Like there's a very good connection with those players understands mesh like concepts when is this sit? you know when they're blitzing when he needs to turn around and he's even like an underrated like on those back shoulder sideline catches like we saw some of oh, that yeah with, that's even a yeah. colt mccoy like he's underrated on that like i would love to see some more of that type of stuff like he's a really good route runner and like i said he was the best wide receiver on the team the last two years
1: yeah i agree with everything that you said and the the fact that Shep did have that connection, really, I mean, with both both quarterbacks, but most notably, he's had that connection with Jones the last two years. Shep is not a contested catch guy, and really, in this Jason Garrett offense, you kind of have to be, and even if you're not a contested catch guy, you're kind of forced to be, but those back shoulder throws, I think that is most evident that you have a very good relationship between quarterback and wide receiver, where even though this isn't this guy's primary strength, The fact that they had that working and it was working pretty well, I think more towards the second half of the season than the first half, um, it was phenomenal. And I'll tell you this, you know, I hope this doesn't turn into a Darius Slayton versus Sterling Shepard conversation because that may be a a camp battle conversation. But Shep produced 11 total plays of 20-plus yards last year. Ten of them were receiving. The one was rushing, and that was Week 17, a touchdown against the Dallas Cowboys. One more than Darius Slayton. So the 11 total explosive plays – was one more than Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton. Darius Slayton played in all sixteen games. Played eighty-seven percent of the snaps. So Sterling Shepard. I, I. I. I'm going to repeat the same thing a million different a million times because I did it last year and he showed it on the field when he was on the field in twenty twenty. He showed it. I think Sterling Shepard is super super important. I think he's the second most important wide receiver on this team behind Kenny Galladay.
0: For sure. Now let's let's talk about him in the slot. Now. He only played one game where he was majority a slot receiver in 2020, and that was against Washington when Golden Tate was suspended. Because even when Golden Tate missed games at the end of the year, they're using Dante Pettis in the slot. Um, so he played 71% of the slot in that game, six catches, 39 yards, 75% catch. rate. He had a carry for 18 yards in that game. His next highest was uh, 39% versus week 10 versus the Eagles. So, but for 2020, he 35% lined up in the slot, 65% out wide. Now, the last time he did line up in the slot majority, I went uh, weeks one through 12 in 2018 before Odell got injured. He played 65% in the slot. Um, In those 12 games, he had 52 catches, 638 yards, three touchdowns, um, 12.2 yards per catch, which is basically 4.3 catches, 53 uh, yards. It's essentially the same thing he did this year um but with one less catch per game so he had more yeah,
1: and the, but the 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 main difference there Bobby and this is you know and obviously it's different offenses too and it's different quarterback as well the yards per reception that's a pretty big difference you know 12.2 and you know a, around 10 you know in retrospect it may not seem like that much but that's a pretty that's a pretty big difference so um you keep keep going well, keep going keep exploring
0: I know you mentioned and and I agree with you that like hey he's not going to be playing 100% in the slot you know, there's going to be reps where he's on the outside, Tony's in the slot, and then he'll play in the slot, and Slayton will play on the outside. But I do see his number being around there. Like, 65% lined up in the slot. And then they'll have two wide receiver sets where he's out there, you know, you know how they rotate guys. But I do see that as, like, 2018 Shep is, I think, what we should expect. We should expect that type of role for Sterling with him being a couple years better.
1: I don't know. I mean, and that's the that's the big thing. of I... I don't, I mean, like I said, 12.2 yards per reception. That's not That's not who Sterling Shepard has been the last two years. And he has him in a slot wide receiver. And typically, you know, the way that my brain works, the way that my brain works is saying your, your slot wide receiver is more of a possession wide receiver. So Sterling Shepard has almost been this possession slot wide receiver who is inevitably just lining up on the outside way more than he's lining up in the slot. Am I wrong for thinking that your slot wide receiver is mainly like your possession guy and is not going to be creating a ton of explosive play? Am I, am I yeah, bad? For I, think, I, is that bad? Brain? We're,
0: we're agreeing. I'm, I'm not saying like he's going to reproduce 12.2 yards per catch. He could, but what, I, my, what I'm saying is that like 65% in the uh, reps in the slot is what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you, like, <sighs> You don't think by end of year, do you? Like I don't see a, a, a world where it's like okay, Shep's on the back on the outside, Tony's in
1: the slot, and Slayton's kind of getting his role reduced. Tony's Tony's the big X factor here. Tony is the very big X factor because I would prefer Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepherd on the outside, and Kadarius Tony, and that explosivity there. That's that is the eleven personnel that I would prefer. Wide receiver wise, because I think utilizing Sterling Shepard as that security blanket with Daniel Jones and having that, but he can do that underneath. You can, you can do it. Then where does Tony? Because do, uh, the whole point is rotate. also you have to no, Don't expect Tony, Tony, well. Tony to start Is what I'm saying. I know, I know, I know. But Shepard's versatile. Shepard's important, and I think that can only be a it's it's only going to be a good thing for the Giants this year. And the only thing is this question may be answered that we're going back and forth on. There's only been two years of Sterling Shepard's career where he's played over 65% of the offensive snaps. So I'm kind of expecting at this point Sterling Shepard to miss time.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean we he's he's had injury issues. Um yeah. so let's talk about contract. Usually we kind of go over these guys' contract in the beginning, but I want to finish it off with this. And we can, we can be quick with this. Two th- now, he's playing through this year. 2022, he has an $11.5 million cap hit last year of his contract with $2 million of dead cap. If you're betting, does he play 2022 under that contract? Is he traded or cut? Or does he get his contract renegotiated and extended? He's 28 years old um, right now.
1: So, he'll be 29 next year. This is the last year of his contract? 2022 will be. Two thousand twenty. I mean, this is two thousand twenty-one. So yeah, this is so. This is this. Basically, this is the blit second to last year. Okay, um, you know, I feel like every Giants fan who want, who maybe thinks of a player won't be on the team the next year. They would like to say trade him. But he could be um, traded in the off
0: season, even though that's a he could be, be traded
1: in the offseason. He could be traded in the offseason, So I'm willing to bet that he will not be on the team in twenty
0: twenty-two. Yeah, just like I said, it's a weird position where he's the best returning player. Although when we talked about our wide receiver review at the end of the year, I think they, I said I think they should invest more in Slayton going forward. He's younger. He plays that outside role. And then they ended up drafting Tony. I mean, the writing is on the roll. I know well, I know Joe Judge had talked about like, hey, like he Joe Judge called Sterling Shepard after and, and, and talked to him about the Tony pick. Yeah. So and that's another yeah. indicator. Like he's gonna be playing the slot this year. Yeah, he didn't call Darius Slayton. Yeah. yeah. And Slayton even like had, like admitted that. He didn't he didn't, he didn't realize what had Shepherd or what Joe Judge had said about Shep, but he's like, Yeah, you didn't call me. So Shep I, is going to be playing majority in the slot. 65% is where I would see that number like it was in 2018 before Odell got hurt. And that is a Sterling Shepard player profile and projection. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. Giants second year cornerback. Darnay Holmes, 5'10", 195 pounds, 23 years old, was a fourth-round pick, 110th overall out of UCLA in the 2020 NFL Draft as a rookie started. Now, he missed four games, basically five, though. He only played three snaps uh, versus Washington before taking out of that game. 30 tackles, one interception, half a sack and two QB hits, which are some kind of – you don't see cornerbacks with those numbers all the time. Advanced stats, uh, opposing QBs were 33 uh, of 44 against him, so 75%, 339 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception, giving up three catches and 30 yards per game, and we're going to come back to that number. Justin Darnay Holmes is a rookie, you know, a lot like Sterling Shepard that we talked about, a rookie who had a good rookie year, nothing spectacular, but a good rookie year, especially at a position the Giants have struggled at with nickel corner, but they also you know, they drafted someone in Aaron Robinson who is going to be fighting to take reps from Darnay. That being said, I do think Darnay wins that job. And I'm excited to see how Darnay Holmes grows in a scheme that plays more. Man, I mean, let's not forget this was, that was his first year playing nickel corner. He played outside in college Now we knew he'd moved to nickel, but that was his first time playing it. And it was just nice to see a guy who understood how to play defense from that spot where we haven't gotten that in, in years past.
1: Yeah, it's a great point, and let's start there, and we'll start really positive with Darnay Holmes and then maybe kind of deconstruct this a little bit further. The Giants in years past before 2020, you know, granted, we had a very good defense coordinator in there too who knew what he was doing, but the Giants in years past have lost games because of their slot corner. I, I still think, you know, along with our wide receivers dropping the ball in 2016, losing Dominique rodgers Cromarty. Uh, against uh the Aaron Rodgers led Green Bay Packers and putting a and putting a Randall Cobb in the slot who was like their best wide receiver at the time, that lost us that playoff game, that wild card playoff game and along with dropping the ball. but ever since then it has been a struggle to find who will our slot corner be you know maybe we have the outside corners figured out, but who the hell is our slot corner going to be because you would have very smart football teams and smart offensive minds saying, screw' Going against Janoris Jenkins, who's like a somewhat of a good corner, screw going up against these uh, solid to decent outside corners, let's just put our best wide receiver in the slot. And that killed the Giants game in and game out, especially in 2019, where it was just allowing explosive play after explosive play, especially coming from the slot and not having anybody that had any ball skills in the slot. And Darnay Holmes, I mean... We don't want to, I don't want to call him great you know, because he, he's not great, like Bobby said, but the fact that he came out rookie year and he was serviceable, uh, the average depth of target was low, the yards per completion, it was about double that. They put him in a role where Darnay Holmes can be successful and not allow big plays, and that was Darnay Holmes' rookie year, and he was impressive uh, while filling that role, not being asked to do a ton.
0: Let's compare him to the 2019 Corners. Uh, they gave up uh, an extra catch and 16 more yards per game. Like, that doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a big deal. And they gave up five touchdowns. Darnay gave up zero. In fact, he was the only rookie to not give up a single touchdown. And it seemed like Darnay stepped up when we, he needed him. And I, I want to talk about some third down penalties a little bit, but but we'll, we'll get into that in a second. And, like, when you talk about those numbers, that includes better cornerback one uh, play with James Bradbury and better cornerback two play with Isaac Yudon. Now, Yudon wasn't great, but, like, it was better play than what they got in 2019. So you would think, okay, let's attack the rookie in the slot. And an excuse for the 2019 corners as a whole is like, well, this team, is, they're young, and they can't understand this James Betcher defense. Well, guess what? Patrick Graham's defense was a lot more complicated. And when you watch Darnay Holmes play, you're like, this guy just doesn't make mental mistakes. There's times where he, he got beat, but he doesn't make like mental mistakes where he doesn't understand a zone and blows a coverage. I know he wasn't asked a whole lot. You know, he's playing the flats and the curls, hooks, and, and stuff like that. But it was like when he played in man, he held his own. Like he understood coverages and how they work and where to move. And out of your nickel corner, like that just, that's half the battle is, is knowing where what to do, what wide receiver to pick, how to pass stuff off. And he just looked very comfortable doing that as yeah. a rookie. And it's at a spot that might be the hardest to play as a rookie as a rookie in the NFL. Like what spot has I don't think there's any other position where a player could have a horrible rookie season and you're like, you know what? But year two, he'll be better. And besides corner. Because even tackles, like, well, Thomas, he started out bad, but he he was good at the end of the year. QB isn't, isn't like that anymore. Corner is really the only spot where a guy can have a horrible rookie year. It's like, there's still hope for him, though, going forward.
1: Yeah. Not making any glaring mistakes, Uh, I think, if, especially if you're not a film buff, not making any glaring mistakes as a corner is key and Darnay Holmes certainly did not make any of them last year um all right Bobby where do you want to go where well, do you want to go since we're to talking talk mistakes about let's talk about the penalties I have something can I say something before say you talk something. about the penalties so he played forty-one percent of the snaps, which isn't a ton. And then maybe you kind of look at the the catches that he allowed and the targets. It's like, oh, that's a lot. Maybe if you if you give him a few extra snaps and you put that maybe on like a sixteen-game rate or a full season rate, maybe that's a decent amount. But I'm not concerned about that. I'm not looking about. Th- I'm not looking at that. I want. I'm remembering my talking points during the season when Darnay Holmes was not in the lineup, and this sometimes tells you the value of a player when Darnay Holmes was not in the lineup. I think our defense looked drastically different, especially the three games. The the second slate of games which he missed in the 2020 season, the games against Arizona, Cleveland, and Baltimore. The Giants' defense had a extra problem of not getting off the field on third down. And when Darnay Holmes, when you take him out of the lineup, that means that Logan Ryan needs to do things different. That means Jabril Peppers needs to do things different, and that takes away from their versatility, to that what they can do at safety. Um, you know, and it would it would take away what Xavier McKinney can do. You know, if he, you know, when he well he was there in Baltimore, so it takes away what he can do as well. So you saw when Darnay Holmes was not on the field last year, which again I think it it kind of describes the value of a player, what a group looks like when you remove a player. The defense still looked a lot different when Darnay Holmes was not on the field, and there was a noticeable difference in the roles that everybody else had to play.
0: Yeah, and and you you brought up like yards given up, like a lot of a defense that was built on stopping big plays. A lot of it was like, hey, we are giving them that underneath stuff, you know. So it's like Darnay right. Holmes is the closest receiver; he gets, you know, Alex Smith throwing it to the flats, and a receiver getting five yards after the catch is like, well, that goes on Darnay. But it's like Darnay didn't not do his job on that play. But let's talk about the bad, and we'll get back into the good. Yeah. Five penalties, and they were, every single one of them was costly. So Dallas, week seventeen, he had a, he had a, a defensive holding. It turned it stopped an Xavier McKinney interception, and it was a penalty. Like that was definitely a penalty. Like that's bad. Can't have that. Now Cincinnati at the end of the game, third and ten, yes. breaks up a pass. They call pass interference in the end zone. They get the ball to one yard line. Score the next play. They almost could have won that game, but. That was a garbage call. Like there's there's ticky tack calls, which are some of these next ones are. That one was a garbage call. He did not make contact. Boyd had reached out, and that game was awesome, by the way. Donatello stepped up big for Cincinnati, and Tyler Boyd, who was one of the best slot receivers in the NFL. Yeah, garbage call. Seattle, a third and fifteen. Yes, he it was a bad one. So there's there's two. Philly, they called him a pass interference on a third and four. It was a bad call. It was a it was a bad call. Go back and look at it, it was a bad call, and then at S- versus San Francisco, a third and twenty two, they're playing zone, and they're running like a, a a four verse with the drag underneath, and at six yards you're now remember you're allowed to make contact at five yards at six yards he bumps he bumps the receiver doesn't grab him bumps the receiver and they call that like I'm sorry I'm not mad at him for that I'm not mad at him for that like I'm mad at the refs being like dude it's third and twenty two. And a guy bumps a receiver at six yards. And, and they clearly weren't going to that receiver either. It was, it was, it was, it was, Verts clear out, get a drag underneath. Maybe we'll get yak. Yeah, probably not. Let's get, gain some yards on the punt. So yeah, three out of the five were bad calls. Two of them were bad. So now at the same time, as a corner of the NFL, you do have to learn to deal with bad calls because they're going to happen every single year.
1: Yeah. Bad calls, um, and the Giants' defense can be moved to this where Giants' defense—they're gonna. I think Patrick Graham is gonna really is gonna try to change his philosophy this year, and where Darnay Holmes is kind of at a weak spot is that he's primarily a zone coverage corner at least he was last year like and the the Giants defense in general was primarily zone coverage I mean the Giants ran some sort of man coverage less than 35 percent of the time last year which was second least in the NFL and they ran cover three at like the second or the third highest rate in the national Football. yeah so the nickel corner didn't
0: have like in cover three the nickel corner doesn't have much let's cover the let's cover the outside flats
1: um, yeah, and and covering the outside flats means you know you're 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 covering those checkdowns. and I think that's the reason why Darnay Holmes. While I think he was pretty physical for his size, uh, that's also why he had the highest missed tackle rate on on the team as well. So right, um,
0: but let's talk about him, man. Like I thought he did all right when now he wasn't called on a lot, but a man, like sometimes he would lose the receiver a little bit at the stem, which is kind of expected, especially for a rookie. But he recovers extremely well. Like his ability to like like to, you know, if he loses a step, like he gains that step back, whether it's a, a dig down the field or or a drag where, you know, they run a pick route or something like that. In um, zone, he could be a little more aggressive underneath. You know, like when he's playing the curls, the hooks, the flats, he could be a little more aggressive underneath. But at the same time, the defense was built on stopping big plays and, and you know, forcing them to try and kill us by a thousand wounds, you know, and, and most teams aren't willing to do that for an entire game. So but at the same time, it's like he was a rookie, so he has things to get better at. Like the fact that his rookie season wasn't a disaster at corner is like that's it's like I'm very like we haven't had that kind of like trust at the slot corner. Now maybe Aaron Robinson comes in and balls out and beats him, which, you know, let them battle, but like I feel if Aaron Robinson is never drafted, I feel really good about Darnay for twenty twenty one.
1: Yeah, um, I'm trying to even pull up Darnay Holmes's snap share, his, and I'm looking at his game log in terms of when he returned from his first injury because he missed the game against Washington, and then he missed the the first game against Philly. Seventy percent, eighty seven percent, sixty six percent, seventy one percent, seventy eight percent. Before he you know, was inactive for three straight games, and then he came back against Dallas the last week. And maybe he wasn't really fully ready to come back. And you know, Xavier McKinney was there. You know, before he had missed his second boatload of games in 2020. He was he was a star. He was getting you know his lowest snap share was sixty six percent of the snaps, yeah. two out of every three plays. So he was relied upon and he was important. And I think the short area quickness you really saw that um, in in play as well. I mean I think that's where he's really good. You know Bobby talked about his recoverability. I think it's because of his good short area quickness. But now I guess we can kind of end it with this, Bobby. Where do we see him? Maybe not snap share wise, but where? How do how do we see? Holmes and Robinson kind of this playing out last well, let's uh, this year. Let's just save that we, for the
0: camp battle episode. But at well, long story short, it. I think Darnay will be the winner because we're doing the we're doing the camp the battle tomorrow. So
1: we were ultra conservative with Darnay last year in terms because I think we're we're just shell shocked by a bunch of corners, corners that the Giants scary. draft. Drafted, yeah. I'm I'm done with the philosophy of drafting corners, at least in the first two rounds. And I think Darn what Darnay was a third third round. round pick, fourth round pick, fourth round pick. So I guess that's fine. But you know, corners that we put a lot of faith and trust in, I'm kind of done because as a Giants as a as the Giants fan base, I feel like we're we just have the PTSD of you know Baker allowing big plays and Eli Apple being grabby and you know his mother being a psychopath. And, um, so. so well, I don't I don't even Sam Beal's not even a real person. But we were conservative with Holmes last year and he kind of proved us wrong, and I'm very glad he proved us wrong. Yep. Darnay Holmes cornerback go out and prove the data, the doubters
0: and the haters wrong. And he's a great panderer to Giants fans. He came on the show. See these nuts? All right. That's Darnay Holmes. See you on the next one. Let's go. Big blue.